वेलकम टू द एक्सपीरियंस डेली पॉडकास्ट विद मी केतकी एंड मी अनुभव द गोल ऑफ दिस पॉडकास्ट इज टू हेल्प ट्रैवलर्स टू डेली फॉल इन लव विद अ सिटी द एक्सपीरियंस डेली पॉडकास्ट इज अ कंटेम्प्रेरी टेक ऑन डेली वी आर टू यंग मिडिल क्लास इंडियंस लिविंग इन डेली वी वर बोर्न एंड ब्रॉड अप हियर एंड वी वांट टू शेयर आवर स्टोरीज एंड आवर सिटी विद यू Hi so we're sitting in Lodi Garden and we're talking to a good friend of ours Akhilesh Akhilesh has a lot of stories about India and is generally genuinely interested in Indian and Indian philosophy and Hinduism and he can talk uh, both for and against every single topic uh, that is of interest to travelers in India and to Indians in general so today we'll talk to him about Hinduism and see where the conversation goes because a lot of questions we get are about what is a hindu what is hinduism and why are people attracted to india and the perception of india as a land of snake charmers right so we thought it would be good to talk about all of those things hi akhilesh uh, you know with for a lot of travelers who are coming into india the first question or one of the many questions that they ask me is what is hinduism so it would be great if you can answer that for us so if you look at uh, hinduism from outside if you're coming from outside india then uh, typically you would have a template in your mind about what a religion is uh, and because you m- might have uh, seen christianity or islam or judaism then you you would look at hinduism from that lens and the first thing i would like to say is it's important to look at whatever is called hinduism not using that template uh, you have to look at hinduism um in a very different way and to uh, and so to understand that let's deconstruct the word hinduism first uh, there are two parts to it hindu and ism now the word uh, the part of the word ism um does not really do justice to what we are talking about and the reason for that really is that ism is a particular kind of uh, um um thought it's about a particular person's opinion or a particular narrow viewpoint whereas whatever is understood by hinduism in general the breadth and the depth of it uh, um, it's the world doesn't do justifi- uh, just doesn't um, do justification so uh, i would say it's not a good idea to call it ism but at the same time i understand that that word has stuck and all of us sort of now call this hinduism so we may continue to use it but we have to keep this in mind now let's talk about the the hindu part um hindu is a word which is again not given by the people who are hindus but by people who looked at these people from outside so um and the, the origin of the word really comes from the name of the river which is called sindhu uh sindhu is a river to the northwest of india and people who came from outside said people who are inhabitants of that part which is beyond the sindhu are hindus now it let me also sort of do a little digression and say that the word sindhu and the word hindu are the same and there are so many other examples you can find where the the letter sir becomes the letter her um in india uh, saptah means a week and hafta also means a week just as an example so hinduism in that sense is uh, then hindu and ism now how else should we think about it if hinduism is not the right way to put it Uh, that's a very difficult question and the reason uh, why it is difficult is because the other religions of the world have a certain template there is a founder there is a book and so it is f- comparatively simple to say 
people who are followers of this person or people who are uh, of this book are whatever the religion is are christians or are uh, muslims and so on but uh, uh, but doesn't hinduism have a book which book is it like lot of people say the gita is a book for hindus is that is that the only book or if you go further back people say the upanishads and the vedas are the book for hindus right so in india um the need to say gita is the book comes in a way uh, if somebody were to ask you what is the book then we are compelled to take a name and that name sometimes or more most commonly is gita but i would say that gita is not the book of uh, this tradition um and and we have to understand why it is like that so the fundamental difference between um again have to use the word hinduism and these other um, semitic religions semitic, yeah, semitic religions. religions um is that it is not it was not founded by a person it was not based on a book but rather in this geographical part which we call india today a lot of and i have to use an indian word parampara lot of paramparas were formed and i can even use the word tradition but that also has its own challenges um a lot of paramparas were formed and all of those constitute broadly what we can call what we today end up calling as hinduism um and so it's not about a one particular person or a book but in spite of that you will see that there is a certain amount of unity in whatever is considered as hindu today and as we go along we can explore what makes it a sort of an organic whole even though there is no one book or one person behind it so is it fair to say then that hinduism is a collective term for philosophies of or, or for indian philosophies or is that a particular branch of indian philosophy Um, okay so let us now understand again uh, when we use the word philosophy philosophy is a greek word uh, which has a particular meaning and uh, the indian word corresponding to it is darshan and there is a subtle but more very important distinction between what is a philosophy and what is darshan uh, the word darshan uh, means comes from the root which is to see and so a darshan is a way of seeing Uh, and so uh, whereas philosophy is sort of love of knowledge and it's a particular way to uh, to to look at things in india uh, there are multiple darshanas multiple ways of seeing and all of them are part of this broad tradition and let me use the word hinduism in this conversation but hinduism is not just that uh, hinduism is beyond these darshanas it is a if i can use the word living tradition where uh, many aspects in fact all aspects of life um are touched by it and in in a way it is a way of living how do we go about living um is something which is guided by or inspired by the traditions of this land which constitute hinduism so yes darshanas are a part of it but it's not just darshanas so then is it right to say that to understand hinduism you should first understand the darshanas or the philosophy of or or indian philosophy 
you can start from anywhere um, if you have an academic bent of mind uh, you can and you want to understand it more theoretically darshanas are a way to start um if you are visiting india from outside and you you have your eyes open and you look at everything around you you don't need darshanas to discover uh, the traditions of india uh, to discover hinduism you can start from very simple things for example you land up in india at a time of a particular festival in trying to understand that festival you will understand key aspects of what hinduism is you you end up in a bazaar and you are uh, buying clothes in that very process you can discover what hinduism is so there are multiple starting points um depending on who you are um your starting point can be different and this is a very important aspect of our tradition it says that the end goal may be same but there are multiple paths that lead to it and depending on who you are what your upbringing is what your um, education has been you have your own way of discovering um these traditions which can help you lead a better life if i can say that so then hinduism is not prescriptive in the manner in which you seek moksha or nirvana or sorry go ahead so hinduism as i uh, you know believe or i uh, uh, you know trying to infer is it's a way of life it is not something which is uh, driven by rigid rules it is not something which is uh, uh, driven by uh, a, a set of rituals which need to be performed every single day to call yourself a hindu but uh, uh, you know it's a way of life that we live and every individual will have its own way of uh, living it or, or or being a hindu for that matter yes you can say that you can say there are multiple ways of life all of which constitute uh, or can be said to be part of hinduism uh, one of the words that was used in india and still used in india is called sampraday to which sampraday do you belong and so a particular sampraday will have its own uh, best practices that people used to follow and still follow and that's what makes them uh, part of that tradition again there is no prescription there is no uh, thou shalt do this and thou shalt not do this it's not not that because it is you who are on a path of seeking and in that path of seeking uh, you can follow a particular sampraday a particular parampara and try and reach the goal that you have but aren't there any absolute truths in hinduism for example as i was growing up the concept of karma or the concept of your actions leading to uh, you know the, the the consequences that came up all the time this idea of an afterlife is also linked a lot to hinduism <coughs> and the the concept of a soul or atma or this idea of consciousness and being able to find the way to god through deep consciousness or meditation are these in hindu concepts or concepts of hinduism i mean i know you don't like the term but I, i'm i don't know is there a better there, there is no better term right no better. now let's continue to use the word hinduism so to respond to what you said let's let's avoid phrases like absolute truths let us try to understand all that you said uh, so as you said principle of karma or the concept of atma we can look at each of these try and understand them uh, in whatever little time we have and see if it leads to some sort of a common understanding um so 
so you use the word moksha uh, some time back and you use the word karma so to contextualize it let me uh, start by saying one of the common themes that we talk about in this tradition is the concept of purusharthas so there are four purusharthas which means uh, which include dharma artha kama and moksha these are four terms which are objectives of life aims of life and in india when we say we have four it doesn't mean those four are divisions and as if they don't have anything to do with do with each other it's not like if you follow dharma you won't follow moksha it's not like that it's not division it's all of them are purusharthas and all of them are part of the whole and so to understand the full picture we have to understand all the four of them and moksha is the final purushartha um, the first one is dharma dharma is now being translated as religion uh, whereas uh, there is a lot of difference between what a religion from a, a western or semitic point of view is and what dharma is and then artha which broadly is translated as wealth kama which is broadly translated as desire and moksha is translated as liberation or salvation but as always translations don't do justice to these concepts so we will continue to use the indian words um and if it is okay we can look at all of these and say yeah let's yeah. do that because you know i keep thinking about dharm sutras and kama sutra and <laughs> there's no moksha sutra but obviously there is is there it's not called moksha sutra okay but uh, it's called brahma sutra and brahma sutra is um, and i'm hoping it's okay to digress into yeah, yeah. so uh, so we talked about darshanas so one of the darshan is vedanta and the sutras for vedanta are called brahma sutras in some way loosely you can say brahma sutra is moksha sutra um and there is artha shastra if not artha sutra um and there are dharma shastras not dharma sutras yeah now um so but before we getting into dharma shastras we should look at what dharma is it is one of the most simplest and the most complex concepts of india to an indian who is born and brought up in an indian environment the word dharma is a very simple term it doesn't need an explanation a technical explanation and we use that word in many ways for example we say the father's dharma towards his son the son's dharma towards his father which means the duties of a father and the duties of a son one of the very interesting concepts as an aside that we can talk about is we we did not think in terms of rights we thought in terms of duties which brings about a very fundamental change in the way we look at things but let's not go there let's continue with this idea of dharma so that is one way in which we use the word dharma which is our duties towards uh, my duty towards my nation my duty towards my family all of that constitutes the word dharma there is another connotation in fact there are multiple connotations of the word dharma one of the other connotations of dharma is what is the dharma of of a tree it is to give fruits let's say what is the dharma of fire it is to burn what is the dharma of water it is to wet something so these are it's you can't use the word duty now so you can see the challenge with translation but the same word applies so father's dharma towards son uh, and a tree's dharma the same word applies to both of these situations and then there are other kinds of dharmas that we can talk about raj dharma which says what is the duty of the king towards the people um, and you can continue to take these examples to understand broadly 
what this is but there is a very modern way of understanding dharma also and i am going to use a very different word for to understand that and that is sustainability what we say what whatever comes under sustainability today which says um climate change and how to protect our planet against these all of that is also dharma because at the root of it the word dharma comes from the dhatu dhatu dhru which means to hold to hold something together to keep something together to so that we are to sustain something and that is the fundamental meaning of that word and so whatever we do today to protect our planet is dharma that's another way to look at it so as you can see and the way to learn words in india really is to continue to understand them and use them in different contexts and and dictionary is not going to help in that respect so that's about dharma very briefly i think right. the earth and calm are in today's time they are um, better understood by people and so we will not spend that much time on artha and kaam uh, artha broadly translated is wealth um, and it is uh, what one does um, to sustain oneself and one's family from a um, so that um, you are leading a good life and you have a, a, a livelihood and a source of um money so that you sustain yourself that sort of broadly comes under artha we won't go into the details of uh, there are again you know from the point of view of uh, a nation or a state what does artha and arthashastra mean that's a whole another topic um today we don't see our our economy today is uh, is very differently structured than how it used to be and so it's a different topic coming to kaam um, india is famous for kama sutra um, people don't realize that the book kama sutra um is a big book and what is considered of interest is actually a small part of it but again that's another topic for another day so let's come to moksha and to vedanta so um and which brings us also to vedas and upanishads um i won't go into specifics or details of vedas but we will talk a little bit about upanishads and vedanta and moksha and how they are related to each other so um upanishads are part of vedas uh, vedas have different parts uh, the last part of vedas are upanishads um upanishads are also another word to denote the same thing is vedanta and vedanta is formed uh, of ved and ant ant means the end um, and we can look at that in two ways it is the end of veda as in the last part or it is sort of the goal of veda we can use the word ends in terms of ends and means kind of ends and so in that sense upanishad is the end of veda um upanishads are conversations between teachers and students it's there are question and answers and those question and answers deal with the fundamental questions in life and um upanishads are full of um profound truths expressed in the form of stories written in sanskrit verses and it's a delight to read the upanishads and one of the uh, the darshanas which um among the in, in, so let me take a digression and first talk about darshanas and then i will connect it to upanishads so um we talked about the word philosophy uh, i said the word right word to use is darshan there are many darshanas the most commonly known and talked about ones are nine and out of them 
um, uh, there are astic darshanas and nastic darshanas the word astic and nastic as we understand it today um, is not the the connotation is very different here um, astic darshanas are the ones who considered veda as a source and nastic darshanas do not considered vedas as their source um and these nine darshanas one of them is vedanta uh vedanta itself has um uh, there are multiple vedantas there is advait vedanta and dvait vedanta and vishishta dvait vedanta and shuddha dvait vedanta and we will not go into all those details we will stick to the most uh, um well known ones one called advait vedanta now um vedanta what does vedanta say and how is it related to upanishad so upanishad the subject of upanishad is vedanta and if you have the advait vedanta interpretation of upanishad uh, that's one way of understanding them and what is it really about it is about the fourth purushartha which is moksha which basically says um so what is the fundamental goal of life uh, why are we here what uh, what are we trying to achieve where is it all leading to these fundamental questions um are there are attempts to answer these questions in the upanishads now instead of understanding them um in a sort of technical manner um we can talk about it more in story forms in understanding the basic idea in the form of a story so one of the ways we can approach this is to talk about how did this world come about uh, what is the story of this world coming about now we understand um, today uh, there is a scientific explanation for how the world came about and we talk about the big bang and how the world expanded and so on uh, what is the uh, the indian story which is equivalent of of that um, and how do we look at it so the way the story is told is there was um there was the one when when time did not exist and so there was the one and there was nothing else and that one because it was alone got bored and that one uh, and we can't say that one was a person we can't say that one was male female we can't say the one was animal plant tree it's all of these attributes don't matter because it was attribute less um it was formless it was just one and that one got bored and it said i have to become many so uh, there is a phrase used for this which says eko ham bahusyam that one decided to become many and became many so how did the one become the many you if you have an apple and if you cut it into multiple parts that apple becomes many but the apple is destroyed in the process so now you have small parts of apple but no apple when this one became many the nature of the division was not like we cut an apple the one became many but the one remained one of the analogies given for this is how a spider um creates a web the the material of the web comes out of the spider but the spider is not destroyed in the process the, it was earlier spider and now it's spider plus the web so it is one and then there are many now but the one still remains the one is in the many and it is outside of it now uh, what does it mean uh, really for us and how is it related to this whole concept of moksha now again i am not an expert i 
don't understand this beyond uh, intellectual level so with that humility i am going to try and answer this question so that one became many and that many is the many forms that we see around us you me the trees the plants all of this is that many that the world one turned into and in that sense this world is not different from that one and that one has a word in vedanta it is called brahma um you can variously call it god also if you want to use that word ishwar you can use whatever words you want to use to describe that one but that one is the source of all this now one very interesting way to ask a question about this is this one became many but what is the material with which it constructed all this so for example if there is a potter and you say uh, the potter created the pot using mud so there are two things here there are two inputs into the creation of pot there is the mud and the potter without both the pot cannot come into being so who is the creator of this world and what is it made of the answer is very interesting the answer is brahma created the world with itself there is no because there was nothing else so it constructed this whole thing out of itself and this is what it is so then what is the fundamental problem in life what is the fundamental goal it is to realize that i am the one that's really the goal if you can say that is what the one who realizes that he or she is the one is the state of moksha like what would be the key differences between hinduism and christianity uh, and uh, islam and and judaism for example yeah so multiple ways of looking at it uh, one of the ways to look at it is that um, christianity um, and islam uh, have founders and they have uh, a, a preferred book um, and uh, the the way a, a christian person find salvation or the way a, a muslim person find salvation is related to the existence of that founder uh on this planet the founder jesus came here and he uh, taught a path and you follow that path and then because of that you achieve salvation um similarly if you are a muslim um the uh, prophet muhammad came uh, to the planet uh and um, prescribed a path and you follow that path and which leads to salvation how as defined by christianity or islam and so is true for other um so that so is true for judaism um with hinduism as we said there is no founder uh, there is no book so how does it work then so the way it works is it is a living tradition and there are so many people in our tradition who have reached the goal by following the tradition and then they teach that tradition to other people and that's how it goes on and the, all of these sampradayas in india are representative of these multiple people and what they have achieved in fact i will go on to say that all the indic uh traditions including buddhism jainism sikhism are part of that one big stream that is in india and um so what is common to all of them as compared to the semitic religions um all of them 
in all of them you, uh, the the ability to reach the final goal is not related to the historicity of the founder of that tradition what matters is that there is a way in which you are living that tradition and these are different views uh, we are not talking about what is good or bad or what is the right approach and what's the wrong approach we are talking about the differences <coughs> yeah. is it is it fair to say then that each sampraday has a guru uh, yes you can say that each sampraday has uh, somebody who is showing the path uh, and so you can say there is a guru and there can be many gurus and many sampradayas there are, are many gurus and many sampradayas some of them are 2500 years old some are 25 years old and they are all okay and they are all fine absolutely um and so yeah go and on and do rituals come from the gurus or because i don't think we are prescriptive on ri- although the vedas have <coughs> been prescriptive about some rituals uh, so rituals in in our traditions are very um time and space dependent it's about uh, there are three words used in india desh kal and patra desh means the region it doesn't mean country in this context kal means time and patra means uh, the person who is doing it so different region different time different person all of these three are parameters based on the desh kal and patra what the person will do is different so it's so there are rituals that uh, existed in vedic times and there are rituals that exist today and some of those rituals are common and some of those are very different and we continue to evolve our traditions and change our rituals as time goes along there was a time when there were no temples in india now we have temples uh, there was a time when uh some particular kind of rituals were more prevalent uh yagnas were more prevalent at a time they are less prevalent now so we continue to evolve these traditions as we go along and how are we able to do that because what we are concerned with is the 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 goal of life and how do we reach that and depending on the time we are in the methods keep evolving and we evolve along with uh, with time to reach those goals so then it seems like a strange mix of the philosophy and religion right it feels like in 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 so western thought so let me use thought. the indian words for mm-hmm. it let's say achar and vichar vichar means uh, thought achar means action, uh, behavior, behavior action so it's some things are um, at the level of thought something are at the level of action and they have to come together in order for you to do something just um sitting and thinking about something will not lead you to anywhere and just blindly following certain rituals will also not lead you to anywhere it has to be a combination of both of them that will take you forward that's no it idea. suddenly reminds me of that uh, shl- uh, that doha <laughs> from kabir right the, what was it bhala hua meri mala tooti mere main ram bhajan se chuti it's a very very beautiful uh, thing to say right. what is it was what is it saying is it is neither denouncing the mala altogether but it is saying you have to outgrow the mala in order to reach the ram but you have to start with the mala so just chanting alone is not going to get you no. to moksha right. right um and and this beautiful idea that um 
and what is the goal so we talked about vedanta this reminds me of uh, the other tradition i mean there are multiple ways of uh, seeking the the uh, the truth finally one of them is bhakti and kabir um, is a master of a kind of bhakti and it's okay to talk about it so it's called nirgun bhakti and uh, in one place kabir says prema gali ati sankari tame dona samaye means the the path of love is so um, narrow that there is no place for two jab main hu hari nahi jab hari hai main nahi yani it is when i my ego i is there there is no god, god whom i am seeking and when the god appears then there is no i so th- it's the dissolution of this i this ego that leads to the uh, to the presence of something that is higher and it's a very beautiful way to put uh, and so this i become the one in vedanta is the same as i becoming the one in the bhakti tradition also um, so just as no, a it's a great way to to end the conversation uh, on on hinduism uh, let's see how this goes and then we can uh, have more more conversation on it that's it with that we've come to the end of this episode thank you so much for listening You can find us on delishoppingtour.com. You can write to us at anubhav at delishoppingtour.com or kethki at delishoppingtour.com. More information on the tours can be found on www.delishoppingtour.com. It'll mean a lot to us if you like the podcast on iTunes and leave comments so that other people can also discover this podcast. Your comments on iTunes will mean a lot to us. It'll help us keep doing a good job and it'll encourage us to get more of these episodes and more stories from Delhi out there into the world. Mm-hmm.